Hey everybody. Before we get into today's episode, we want to let you know about our guest's upcoming album release, The Bardic College Dropout. This will be Matt's third album, and it focuses on a more dark, atmospheric tone. The album releases on November 11th of 2022 and will be available on all music streaming platforms. Check the description of this episode for information about that album and links to where you can find any of Matt's other projects. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy this episode. everybody and welcome back to this week's episode of the fourth leg a tabletop gaming show all about giving new gms a leg to stand on my name is hunter i'm your host and editor and today i am joined by our abdominal hosts (laughs) joe and kelsey joe and kelsey say hello how's it going hello (laughs) that's saying it with their abs this time Uh, yes (laughs) love it it's like a snapple commercial very supportive. <laughs> and if you don't recognize that voice, it's our guest, Matt from Dungeon Glitch. Say hello and introduce yourself. Yeah, everybody. You may know me as Dungeon Glitch on the online. My name's Matt. Um, yeah, I don't want to talk about stuff or what. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm we'll happy do to all be the here. plugs at the end. We're, yeah. we're going to learn everything about your life by the end of this. Yeah, I'm a childhood, what, what's your favorite movie? Specifically, what's your favorite movie? Because our fun fact today is what movie, show, or book have you been enjoying recently? Oh, boy. Um, you know, I just finished The uh, the Expanse, which is really, really good. Oh, I've heard and, good things. Uh, yeah, it's fantastic. And uh, I, I also just binged uh, We Are Wrexham, which is the... the yeah, the, the, the soccer uh, football the, uh, club. Yeah, right. the football club. Right, exactly. Ryan Reynolds and uh, that guy. guy from It's Always Sunny. Yeah, it's yeah. Mac. It's uh, it's <laughs> Rob, Rob McElhenney. McElhenney. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fantastic. So good. Oh, wonderful. Uh, so, what movie, show, or book have I been enjoying recently? I actually just finished up uh, watching Gargoyles Ooh. for the first time since the early 2000s. Yay! It's so good. So much better than I remember now that I'm old enough to actually pick up all the subtext. Mm-hmm. And the, the fucking voice talent. Can we talk about that oh. for a second? Yeah, Keith David, oh. like half of the Next Generation cast. Mm-hmm. Star Trek, yep. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> Absolutely incredible. Oh, my bisexual um, heart. <laughs> Jonathan Frakes. Elisa Maza, please. Yes. Um, <laughs> All cops are bad, though. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> jokes aside, I, I also really, really enjoyed She-Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. She-Hulk's really enjoyable. It, we wrapped I it up this did week. not enjoy the first episode mm. at all, uh, but I, I gave it another shot, and I, I really enjoyed the series overall. Good. They, they did hit you with the kind of the origin bloat, which Marvel has been good about yeah. like, avoiding most recently, but... Yeah. Yeah. It, it mm. I liked it. I, I, I could talk about that for a while. <laughs> I, I liked the show overall. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the first episode. <laughs> Fair enough. But anywho, Joe, Kelsey, take the floor. Who's next? Oh uh, yeah, I'll go. Uh so most recently I am like three or four chapters left in a book called Dies of the Fire. Uh so mm-hmm. it is written by S. M. Sterling and 
it's it's from the 90s and it's basically at a certain point uh, i want to say in 1999 there is this event and an electricity stops working gunpowder's chemical composition is altered so it burns slower and is not as powerful and so it basically sets everybody back almost a thousand years so everybody is like running around on bicycles and horses uh like in kind of a feudal society because things don't work the way that they normally do like you you'd have to travel a day in something that would take you like an hour in a car mm-hmm. uh so like the first Y2K. book, yeah uh, the first book <laughs> dies of the fire is kind of it's like the immediate reaction as these like small groups start getting formed and then the series kind of develops and they are kind of like their own like tribes and kingdoms and things like that mm-hmm. that sounds awesome <laughs> that reminds me of what I wanted Jericho to be. Yeah. Oh yeah. I I enjoyed Jericho for the most part, and then stopped. Uh, <laughs> it, not it, it petered out. Yeah. yeah. I think it's it kind hard. of like there was a show called Revolution, and it came after that. Yes. Like the the show came after the book because I'd read the book and I was like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, this is. But I'm revisiting the series to actually like go further. I think I read like half the second book and I was like, oh, mm-hmm. revisit it. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, so lately I've been listening to the audiobook version, I have to specify that, but the audiobook version of The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet by Becky Chambers. Okay. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting title. Yeah, I heard about it through a, uh, booktuber, uh, Bowties and Books, highly recommend their mm-hmm. channel. They have really good book recs. Um, although the last two that they recommended, um, I was like, eh, about, uh, but... They did recommend The Long Way to a Small Angry Planet when talking about mm-hmm. another book. And I was like, oh, I got to check that out. And then I looked at it and it has a lot of like Firefly vibes with okay. the whole mm-hmm. like your crew is your family. We're taking this gig because we really want the money and the gig is not what it advertised itself to be kind of it's episodic in nature, but it is very good. That's cool. The title of that book this is going to be a really weird self plug, but um, <laughs> the title of the book reminded me of our um, penultimate campaign update episode because I, I'm really proud of the title. Yeah. But I, uh, I named it a mad dash to an inevitable end. Ooh. That's good. Which I think is a really cool title. That is a really uh, cool title. You're and I, you're I, way I, better at titles than I am. <laughs> That's how I try to live my life. Yeah. She's really good at titles. The content, uh, titles, A+. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Awesome. But now that we have uh, our our recent media out of the way, Mm -hmm. let's get into the topic, which today is going to be character voice. This is a topic that can be interpreted in a ton of different ways. So get ready for our uh, tangents trademarked. (laughs) that are bound to come up uh, over the course of this discussion. And as is our want, I'm going to invite our guest to start us off. Matt, what are your thoughts on character voice? You know, I, uh, I've been discussing it with some, uh, some people lately because uh, I'm doing voice acting more and more and uh, finding that overlap of where your voice comes in as a character while you're role playing it just reminds me back to where it comes from when you're writing literature, that sort of thing. It's like voice is more than just an accent or a syntax. Like, hey, I'm going to be mm-hmm. out here and just, I'm the Scottish dwarf again every time. And it's mm-hmm. like that just, I hate it. 
So, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so, it's so character voice is you know it's the things you care. It's more than you what your characters just sound like. It's what they say, mm-hmm. how they're said, the motivation behind it. When yeah. you understand those kinds of things, you can start to put yourself into the character role more completely. And it's when you sort of become the character, it, it becomes more authentic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you don't mind me interrupting here yeah, real yeah. quick, I've got a good example of this. Oh, yeah. Uh, so being the editor for this podcast, I pick up on certain vocal quirks, <laughs> especially that Joe, Kelsey, and myself have, um, to the point where I understand what the waveforms for people's ums look like. Yeah. And <laughs> That's so specific. It, it, it makes sense, trust me, because, uh, for example, I have a tendency to pause have a really long um and then pause again before I continue speaking mm-hmm. or I say um in the middle of a syllable and then run through it like it never happened uh, so if I see somebody else speak like that I immediately identify it with my own voice mm-hmm. because that's a quirk of my voice that's independent of the way that I sound or any accent or inflection that I have mm-hmm. is the way that I use um or filler words right yeah so having little vocal quirks like that can also identify a certain character as sounding different than anybody else around them. Yeah. Um, a little to add on to that, uh, building on this tangent. Um, when I was in college, I knew a lot of actor friends, like people who were majoring in theater. And mm-hmm. one of them, uh, my friend Lynn, who I still am in touch with now, uh, they, they reached out to me and they were like, hey, can I study you? Because I need somebody to, like, I need to record somebody just talking so that I can study their mannerisms and study how they talk as as part of this assignment so that I can build on character voice. And I was like, sure. <laughs> um, so they recorded me just talking about stuff. And then, like, about a week or so later, I saw the recording of them pr- playing as me. And I was like oh, wow, I talk a lot more with my hands than I thought I did. <laughs> um, or, or You were using your hands as you said that. Yeah. I don't know if you noticed. <laughs> For those of you playing along at home. Yeah. yeah. Using my hands Take a, shot. a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> and also, like, just, it was, it was also how, like, it was how they said things that I was like, oh, God, I, I sound kind of dumb sometimes, but also, like, this is kind of funny. <laughs> okay, sure. But, like, mm. you don't have to be, like, actor levels of study to do that sort of thing. But being able to understand that everybody has their own way of, like, using hands to talk. Or whether yeah. they talk, like, really loud out of the chest or through the nose. Or if they're, like, really quiet or really loud or somewhere in the middle. Like, being able to understand how the character talks is just as important as what they say. Right. Yeah. I have a, so, so I have a method uh, that I use to sort of build the foundation for when you're making a new character and you're trying to not be yourself really. So um, I'm trying to play more characters that are very unlike me, which is really hard to do. Yeah. Um, There's always that little kernel of you. Yeah, it's always mm-hmm. going to be there. So uh, for me, it's like uh, I, I try to I, I try to envision and then try to remember where the character is from, what they want in the moment, mm-hmm. how they feel about who they're speaking with, 
and then what their typical uh, methods for problem solving are. So like if they're impatient, if they're calculating, these are sort of uh, going to more fully inform how I respond in character to the situation, which adds the authenticity to the voice. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when you have these sort of things, it's a good idea to also practice a lot. So, oh, yes. <laughs> both, al both, both aloud and in text. So I, I like to write little short stories with my characters, mm -hmm. but I'll also just mm -hmm. walk around the house doing their voice. <laughs> and then you can see how, um, you know, how, how, you can see how it looks, and then it sort of becomes like a second nature to you. If you're playing this character a lot, then you can start to like kind of hone in on the attitude. And, and once you get that... You can, like, if you think about different types of characters, that like you can be like a leader, a disruptor, a peacemaker. Um, mm -hmm. I'm on the uh, the Etherlog podcast now, and I play an antagonist. My character's a jerk, so it's a lot of fun for me. I I I, I, I normally like the the helpful person, but mm -hmm. um, my character Gale, he is uh, he's a cloistered scholar and a very cocky fighter because he's a tank. He wants to fight. Mm -hmm. He wants to get better at it. Um, so he likes to trash talk. Uh, start fights, escalate things. Mm -hmm. um, he might say things like, well, I fear my friends and I are in a bit of a hurry, but uh, we don't have time to deal with your petty bandit needs. However, if you like to push things further, I'm happy to all but end things quickly for you. And just like all that sort of things. Mm -hmm. And uh, once you figure that stuff out, it's kind of where I want to end up in my skills, which I'm still trying to get better at. Because I... Uh, uh, I want to do more with role-playing body language. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. Is, I feel like that's an advanced thing to do. So getting familiar with body language in general. So in that situation, Gale, who doesn't want to get blamed for his party for causing a fight, um, might say something like, I, I, I might as a player say something like, all right, as we try to walk through these bandits without fighting them, mm -hmm. Gail is going to mean mug with a slanted gaze uh, at the toughest looking one in the bunch. Mm -hmm. And then as he passes, you just see his snake tongue just kind of like dart out and he just kind of like drag his lower eyelid down. And uh, <laughs> and he's just going to wide smirk just on the verge of laughing. And he's, he's, he's as everyone I was walking through, he's going nice and slow and taking long strides in this bandit territory. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, and the character didn't say anything, but he said everything. And that's where I kind of want my skills to go in character voice. So, Ooh, mm -hmm. yeah, that's how I feel about it lately. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. and understanding body language can also help you like because when you're in character, you talk very differently when like your shoulders are hunched up in like anxiety than they do when your shoulders are more relaxed and your chest is puffed up like you're wanting to declare something in the rest of the room like those sorts of things do affect your voice that's an excellent point mm -hmm. oh, i didn't even think of that yeah that's great yeah we did this a lot your in delivery yeah. yeah we did we did this in uh we had a couple of workshops for i was part of an improv troupe when i was in college we had a couple of workshops just talking about like body language and how it affects character voice um because mm -hmm. like as the instruct as the instructor pointed out like Somebody can look at you and say, hey, act out a horse. What is that horse doing? Is this horse tired? Is this horse energetic? Is this horse, like, doesn't want to be ridden by anybody else? Like, mm -hmm. what is the character of the horse? Uh, because those different affects will affect how 
it walks, how it presents itself. Um, and that was mm-hmm. just the exercise of the horse. Like this could, yeah. this could be true of people. I'm going to try that later. One of the things that I <laughs> learned is very helpful mm-hmm. when it comes to defining a character mm-hmm. um, and can absolutely help you with your character voice is pantomiming the character's actions. Mm-hmm. For listeners that aren't aware, pantomime is when you act without sound. Mm-hmm. And I find that moving through the motions of being a character can help you get a feel for what that character would sound like. If somebody walks with a really like bouncy step or like a really relaxed demeanor, they're not going to be like, my name's Batman. <laughs> you know, like they're, Batman's not going to be skipping through a meadow mm-hmm. right, unless it's for a meme, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so typically speaking, pantomiming can really help inform the way that your character is going to sound. Uh, if y'all are okay with it, I'll go ahead and get into to my notes real quick. Yeah, go for it. Absolutely. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> go ahead. Um, so Matt already touched on this, but voice isn't necessarily confined to tone, pitch, and accent. Um, humans communicate as a sum of an infinite number of parts, and any one of those parts changing will create essentially a new character voice. Um, I've narrowed it down to six things, some of which we've already touched on. So I'll go through them uh, a little quick. And these are some things that can help differentiate your characters from one another. Uh, The first one is going to be tone, the attitude that your voice gives off while it's being used. Examples being sassy, angry, condescending, welcoming, warm. Um, Pitch, how high or low your voice is while being used. And this, I mean, can obviously change throughout the course of you talking. Like mine does. My pitch changes all the time. Accent, this is probably the least important of them. If I had to put a least important tag on him, because you don't need an accent to sound different, right? But some examples are Irish, Australian, Chinese, French, Southern US, Canadian. Be a little careful when you're using accents that you're not tripping into the culturally insensitive or mocking somebody with those accents territory. Yeah. Because... Damn it, American media did a really bad job of referencing foreign accents. But... <laughs> still does sometimes, unfortunately. Still does. Yeah, there's also something to be Ooh. said for how the British convey certain accents as well. Because mm-hmm. everybody associates the Cockney accent with somebody who is street smart and somewhat uneducated. <laughs> yeah. But uh, just be careful with accents. They're not necessary. If you have to drop anything out of a different character voice, I would say accent is probably the first thing that should go. Next up is confidence. How assured of themselves is your character? You can have quiet confidence or loud confidence. You know, volume and confidence are not mutually exclusive or um, uh, necessarily linked together. Uh, It's really important that confidence does not dictate how loud your character is. Next up is slang. Is there any shorthand... (laughs) Is there any shorthand language, typically related to geography or generational, um, that may come into play for your character? Uh, I've been rewatching Naruto recently. Nice. And uh, one of the things uh, that they use in the Japanese is... Got the bio. Yeah, so uh, in, in the English subtitles, it's you know, and it's considered <laughs> like cheap speech. Mm-hmm. And if somebody slips you know into it, 
everybody else picks up on that and they're like, oh, this is a person that doesn't have a lot of, you know, education Mm -hmm. or whatever, right? Yeah. And people kind of look down on people for using that kind of slang term. But it is something that differentiates them from anybody else around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's an example of slang. Body language is the other one. We just went over that. Um, obviously, body language doesn't really translate to other people if you're playing in an audio-only game. Yeah. But I still encourage you to use it because you acting out the motions of a character or the body language of a character is going to help you further understand and portray that character in an accurate way yeah so it's good to do even if nobody can see you yeah. well it's, it's like matt was saying like you don't necessarily have to like visually do your motions yeah. like you can narrate those actions just as well sometimes better some people mm-hmm. aren't comfortable like physically acting something out but if you let them narrate it mm-hmm. they can do yeah. a lot better job yeah absolutely that's where i agreed <laughs> Yeah. yeah. So, Joe, Kelsey, take the floor. What do we think? Joe, if you want to go first. Well, let's do it. Uh, my notes are pretty short, and a couple of them we've already touched on. So, the two big things uh, that I want to focus on when we have a character or an NPC, who are they and what do they sound like? Mm-hmm. So, the first thing is have a general idea. Matt was already talking about these wants, needs, motivation, things that drive them. And then second, how or why did they get where they are at this moment in time when the party meets them? Uh, so if it's a you know player character, how did they get to where they are right now? Or if it's an NPC, like what you know what are the last like two weeks look like before they ran into the party? Like are they going to be exhausted because they've been dealing with a lot of bullshit? Like are they mm-hmm. going to be you know fresh and excited because it's a brand new day at a beautiful town? Like what does that look like for them? And then finally, how does their background impact how they got there, right? So if they were from a rich family, their road might have been a little easier. And so at that point, they may make some assumptions or they may uh, act like everything's so easy because, you know, the world's handed to them on a silver platter, whereas somebody who's had to fight for things may have a different outlook on that. Mm -hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. And then finally, you know, what do they sound like? First and foremost, nobody has to be the critical role table. Uh, oh, they're please, all professional no. voice actors. Um, if you if you ever you know f- start comparing yourself to any member of the table, go look at their IMDb page and remind yourself that uh, they have tons and tons of <laughs> yeah. voice acting credits. Uh, yeah, yeah. So it it wasn't built in That's a day. That's a great point. Mm-hmm. Accents are totally fine if you're comfortable, but I, a I wouldn't stress yourself out about it, and b uh, definitely be considerate of who you're portraying and the table. Uh, I have a VTM game that's set in New York, and they went into the Chinese restaurant that's, like, right next to one of their havens, and I was like, I'm not doing a stereotypical Chinese accent. Like, that's yeah. not <laughs> it's not appropriate. It's not sensitive. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to speak appropriately, and we're going to, like, accept, like, the atmosphere and move on. So... You know, have an understanding of, of where you're taking that portrayal. To me, it's a big focus on word choice and tone. Mm-hmm. You can use that background to influence it. Uh, Matt, when we got like a small sample of your character for Etherlog, it was like, hey, like he sounds very, like not like posh English, but like high class. Like, okay, so I got the acolyte like right away, and then I got that like sense of malice. It's like, hey, look, like. Oh, if you want, if you want to step in my way, like we can make it a problem, but but I'm being very proper and polite about it. Yeah. 
So I'm not gonna stab you, but I will not stop you from falling on my neck. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then finally, <laughs> just just ask yourself how would they approach a particular problem or issue? And how are they gonna approach the PCs or deal with them approaching? Are they going to be somebody who thinks that they're super important and brush the PCs off because they've got somewhere to be and some shit to do? Or are they going to be friendly and welcoming and like, or just like, oh my gosh, I, we, I need some help and you're the first person to approach me. So like, well, please let me lay the feet of the problems of the world at your feet. Like their background and how, how their mentality is, is set has a big impact on that. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, is it cool if I go into my notes? Yeah, go right ahead. <laughs> All right, cool. Um, so if we were talking about body language earlier in, in primarily humanoids. It's something to keep in mind, too, if you wanted to be a little bit more creative with expressing body language. Um, I'm coming at this from a, a Dungeons & Dragons angle. And Dungeons & Dragons has Tabaxi, who are cat people, and Arakakra, oh, yeah. who are bird people, and cats Those and birds... Folk. Yeah, yeah. But, like cats and birds have very different body languages, which is which is partly mm-hmm. why whenever you're talking with like cat lovers, um the the ongoing joke in like the cat lover community is like, hey, cat people and dog people may not agree on a lot of things, but we can both agree that bird people are fucking weird. <laughs> um, and the reason for that is because bird body language is so very different from cats and dogs like dog body mm-hmm. language very different from cats cat body language very different from birds so if you wanted to play around with like portraying tabaxi and arakaka or any other like uh a humanoid that has animal traits to them like there are now rabbit folk in D, which is cool mm-hmm. um just take a look at those animals see what kind of body language that they would employ for different things because like being scared as a cat looks very different from being scared as a bird which looks very different from mm-hmm. being scared as a rabbit <laughs> um yep that sort of thing something to keep in mind and going back to humanoids not every human expresses fear the same way there are some that like they freeze in place there are some that um <laughs> If you, if you watch any, like, haunted house footage, there are some that will, like, actively punch the thing that scares them. <laughs> um, they chose fight, 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 flight, fight or flight, fawn, and yeah. freeze. Yeah, fight, yeah. flight, freeze. Um, there's, and fawn. And fawn. Fawn is another one. Yeah, fawn <laughs> is another one where, where they're like, no, no, it's okay. I'm so sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to do that. It's okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm your friend. That's, that's fawning. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so that sort of thing. Important to keep that in mind. One thing I wanted to bring up, too, is that if you have a player that's not comfortable with role-playing, I'm going to throw this out there and say, that's okay. Um, <gasps> I know. But they, but Kelsey, they don't want to role-play in a role-playing game? What do you mean? Did I a role-play in my role-playing game? They should really put a warning on the book or something. <laughs> <laughs> they call themselves the world's best. <laughs> 
But I'm, I'm saying this as somebody who used to DM in like a public setting, like at comic shops. Mm-hmm. So we, we would get people who would like run the gamut across the spectrum. There were people who wanted to RP, but had never tried. There were people who never RP'd and were intimidated to do so. And then there were people who mm-hmm. like definitely came from a theater background and were like, I need to exercise my chops. Um, mm-hmm. That sort of thing. Um, so for the people who were not comfortable with RP, I did my best to not force it on them. So if they wanted to refer to their character in the third person, that's totally okay at my table, especially mm-hmm. if they're not comfortable with role playing. That said, if the player wanted to get more comfortable with RP, a good way to start that out as a GM is to start asking questions in character. So like as a GM, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Just calling back to a session that I ran two days ago. Um, I'm already hunching because I'm anticipating getting into my Dr. Cochin voice. Because his shoulders are all the way up here and he's hunched over and he relies on leaning on a cane. And he yells at people because he's kind of hard of hearing. <laughs> and Old man yells at clouds. Oh, I don't yell at clouds, motherfucker. I yell at the machinery for not cooperating with me when I'm trying to make some new artificial intelligence. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I love RPing this character, if you can't tell. <laughs> Fantastic. Yes. Um, so, like, I'm already doing the body language thing to anticipate getting in, into that. But, like, when I was R- RPing in this situation a couple of days ago, I was asking questions to the other players as Dr. Cochin. Not as Kelsey, but as Dr. Cochin. And mm-hmm. and being like, <laughs> are you going to be comfortable holding that thing? Because you need to be comfortable holding that thing. <laughs> Like, giving new weapons to people, or, like, here, have this potion of, I think it's Storm Giant Strength, I don't know, it's very pretty, it looks like those, like, glittery wine bottles that you get, that, like, has a kind of cloudy effect, I don't know, I haven't tried it yet, but it's supposed to be good. (laughs) Like, I love it, yeah. (laughs) I have a lot of fun. Sure, I I think that, I have a lot of fun um, with this guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I think that uh, you're you're hitting the nail on the head there. As a GM, it's important not to project your expectations for yourself onto your table. Exactly. Yeah. Um, because, you know, all GMs kind of have this air of acting around them because they have to be the world. Right. Right. So even if they're not necessarily actors, or I know Matt Colville is a good example of this, GMs don't always need to do character voices. There's always this element of putting on a face when you are playing different NPCs. Um, but it's important that just because you have that expectation for yourself, you don't project that onto players who maybe are there to play the game and don't really want to get too deep into that roleplay side of things. Exactly. It's not a necessary part to have fun. Meet the players where they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't expect more from them than they are comfortable giving. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. Is the important thing here, that's, I think. That's really the point that it culminates to, is meet the players where they're at. Um, mm-hmm. If they want to push themselves, meet them at that point. If they don't want to, yeah. that's okay, too. Everybody is there to have fun, but everybody's definition of fun is different. Mm-hmm. And it's the two questions. We've brought this up so many times in so many different episodes. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the players should be in character you ask what are you doing and then after the session is done you ask how are you doing mm-hmm. right it's that Good. wind up into character and that 
slow release out of character and that's what those two questions are good for Mm -hmm. um referring to your players by their character name can help that as well um just things that are not uh i don't know if combative is the right word but not non-combative towards the player Mm -hmm. to encourage them into playing their character without necessarily expecting them to be the next dicaprio Mm -hmm. you know (laughs) Yeah. yeah very much so um Another point I wanted to bring up. Uh, We talked about Mm -hmm. this a little earlier, but I'll reiterate it here. When you're portraying a character, keep in mind what came before. What the character has said and done matters in the moment just as much as what they what they do like as as what they did previously. And I'm going to bring I'm going to bring up an example of somebody who did not succeed in this particular example oh you should i know i know uh well i had a player who when he first started out like he had never played D before so in in this mm-hmm. sort of scenario i i'd be tempted to give this a pass but he wanted to play a half orc barbarian um and when he first started role playing this character this this character had an axe embedded in his head so he was basically role-playing somebody who was rock stupid like absolutely rock stupid only could say like super simple words and talked a lot like this but then a session or two afterwards uh the player came up to me and he was like hey i have a backstory for this character and i wanted to share this with you and see if we can incorporate this into the campaign and i'm like sure okay um so i started sprinkling in parts of this character's backstory into the campaign the first instance that that happened though when i first made a little nod to like uh I was like, make a perception check. And he made a perception check. And then I passed over a note to him that was like a little secret. Because that's that's something I like to do is, oh, you notice something the other mm-hmm. players don't. I'm going to pass over a note card face down so that only you can read it. And, I, and on that note card, I wrote down, you see a figure in a cloak walk by. The cloak looks like the same cloak as the, the clan that attacked your people, basically. And... All of a sudden, the rock stupid affect dropped. He became articulate and he chased after the enemy. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, so, hmm, hmm. Not a good example of building on what came before. <laughs> a little metagaming in there too. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you if you want to play like a really dumb character, um. I hate to bring up Critical Role, but in the first campaign, Grog was a really good example of like a rock stupid character that could be built upon. Because mm-hmm. um, like, yeah, he started out rock stupid, but it turns out he had a lot of like deep rooted ideas of like what family meant, what it means mm-hmm. to fight for honor and that sort of thing. Like, but articulated in a way that was very specific to Grog. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you remember the steps that came before will help you map out what the character will do in the moments and after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. I'll I'll slide in here, and uh, this uh, came to my head, uh, you know, over the course of this discussion, and we haven't really touched on mm-hmm. it. Uh, but how are the characters that you're playing? doing emotionally yeah um, 
And and I'm more talking in the moment because a lot of the times mm-hmm. your NPCs as a GM don't I, I hate to say they don't really matter when they're off screen, but like they shouldn't really be a priority of how they're acting when they're off screen. Exactly. Um but when they're in the moment consider how they're doing emotionally right um so this character that kelsey brought up uh you know acts embedded in his head Mm -hmm. um he sees the person who may be responsible or is at least in some way related to the people responsible and the emotional high of being in that moment affected the player and therefore affected the character Mm -hmm. um so you as a gm need to ask how are these circumstances surrounding us right now Mm -hmm. going to affect this npc's emotional state and how is that going to affect the way that they're interacting with the characters um uh let's just go with fantasy real quick a king who has been slighted Mm -hmm. is going to be on edge and aggressive and emotional likely right yeah if we're going with the stereotypical bratty king, right? Whereas somebody who's a little bit more wizened and a little bit more experienced with ruling a kingdom, um, let's just say a, a, a wise older queen whose you know husband died in war and she's been sitting on the throne for decades at this point and somebody insults her and she just goes, I'm still the fucking queen, dude. Like... <laughs> Like, oh, that's... What do I care? Oh, that's cute. So... Yeah, exactly. It's like, I, I am literally the most powerful figure in mm-hmm. in this country. Do you think a little insult's going to bother me? Mm-hmm. So different characters are going to react to the same situation in different ways. And that emotional expression can really do a lot to inform the rest of the table about your character, what their values are, what's important to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in, in cases where there's going to be some kind of uh, social or physical confrontation between the players and that character, it can also clue the characters into weaknesses that that character has or certain strengths that they want to avoid. You know, the the wise old queen, you're probably not going to be able to sway her with a petty argument or flattery, mm-hmm. but the brash young prince, maybe you do mm-hmm. because he's more concerned with pride than he is with regality. Um, so emotional reactions can do a lot to inform who your character is and to expand upon uh, their voice outside of what they say and how they say it. Yeah. Yeah. There's also uh, a little room for some nuanced layering mm-hmm. in there too. If you understand where your character or the character is from, one of my favorite examples is uh, for people who watch 30 Rock. Uh, it's it's whenever like Liz or Jack get flustered, they go back to like like their characters like revert. So like Jack mm-hmm. will immediately come out with a Boston accent and just go back to when he was a child back in sad Chester, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, and, and Liz's whole thing will just, her, her athlete will just change when she gets mm-hmm. flustered. Mm-hmm. And, um, I, I, I think it's the best way to, uh, break it down. If you're writing a character is figure out where and who they were, uh, when they were in their formative years. And that's what they'll revert to when they're stressed. Mm-hmm. Yep. That whole building on what came before. Exactly. Yeah. It's very important. Absolutely. And that yeah. sort of thing is not easy to unpack. There, there's a reason why therapy exists. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Also wanted to add, um, 
just talking about not just character voice, but like having characters around in general, you got to ask yourself with NPCs in specific, why is this character here? If they're just mm-hmm. there for exposition, either find a second way to make them resonate or retire them once they've given the exposition. Bringing this up because I have a sibling, love her to death. Um, she had reached out to me and she was like, I have an NPC and he's stuck around with the party, but I don't know what to do with him other than to make him an exposition bot. And I was like, is there anything he's particularly afraid of? And and she's like, well, I mean, this is a, a Curse of Strahd campaign. And I'm like, no, no, no. Like, an irrational fear. Like, obviously, you can be afraid of vampires in a Curse of Strahd campaign. But, like, mm-hmm. an irrational fear can also add a little layer of uh, character creativity in there. Maybe make them resonate a little bit more. Because, like, thinking of Indiana Jones and his absolute fear of snakes... It's not, it's not like, a, oh, no, they are my mortal weakness and they will kill me. He, he's just like, I'm a dude and snakes are gross. <laughs> <laughs> so a real world example of this, and here's fun fact part two. <laughs> I really don't like frogs. <laughs> I did not know this about you. <laughs> like frogs freak me the fuck out. Um, like if there's a frog in front of my door, I will either find the closest stick to push it away mm-hmm. or I will find somewhere else to be. <laughs> I I refuse to give them the opportunity to touch me. I mm-hmm. think they're gross. Does include toads or just frogs specifically? Uh, anything that looks like a frog. <laughs> <laughs> so toads included. Nobody escapes. Um, I, just, I just learned something new. <laughs> so you, you all just learned something new about me. Yep. Uh, don't send me frog TikToks like my fiance does. <laughs> but Naruto's do a frog sage. <laughs> don't don't mm-hmm. ask questions you're not prepared for the answers to. <laughs> I think that fits here. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like uh, irrational fears, absolutely. Like I have no reason to be scared of frogs. Yeah. <laughs> I have zero reason. I've never had a traumatic experience with a frog or a frog-like creature. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it, it informs a lot of who your character is and it can lead to some pretty fun moments, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 With both of that, like it just, it just reminded me. Uh, so for anyone who subscribes to, uh, the, uh, saves the cat, save the cat, uh, screenwriting, uh, method books by, Mm -hmm. uh, was it Blake Snyder? Yes. Um, one of his... Uh, one of the tools they use, and I use this in NPCs. If you're doing like a horror thing specifically, mm. uh, the 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 tool of uh, what they call the half man. Um, mm-hmm. And if you have the the NPC he, in a movie, he's the character who literally exists only to explain the rules of the movie, and then they die immediately. So wow. if you have that NPC bot. Um, where you figure out, okay, here, he's going to give you the thing, and then he's either going to disappear or get killed. And it's going to display the stakes and uh, show that the things that he said are real. Mm-hmm. And, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, if, you, if, you, if you're writing horror or really doing anything where you need to, hey, guys, watch out for this, mm-hmm. making yeah. that, feeding that person to that machine is mm-hmm. uh, a, a good method mm-hmm. of moving it along. The people in those horrors... Uh, horror screenplays where it's like they die and then we we flash their title screen and then we went we get introduced to the main cast 
Yeah. yeah. It immediately made me think of um, Duncan in Dragon Age Origins. Because this is oh, a yeah. Grey Warden character mm-hmm. who introduces you to the Grey Wardens, initiates you into the uh, order of the Grey Wardens, and then immediately gets brutally murdered. <laughs> uh, and, and it's a very effective character because he's a mentor figure who initiates you into the game in this instance. Mm-hmm. And you have this like emotional bond to mm-hmm. And then they're gone and you're left to kind of figure out the rest on your own. And it can be a very compelling thing. To a lesser extent, Gandalf can also fit into this, right? I was thinking. Obi-Wan. Yeah. Yeah. Until they expanded his character. Like literally he exists to kind of establish what the force is and how it works. And then, Mm -hmm. oh, well, okay, I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. Lay down yeah. my life. So you can and we know that. that <laughs> yeah. And we know with the benefit of hindsight that both Gandalf and Obi Wan come back from the dead in some form or fashion, either as a Force ghost or as Saruman as he should have been. Mm-hmm. But your half men don't always have to come back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, in a lot of uh, a lot of ways, it can be more effective if they don't. But that that motivator can inform a lot of other characters in their voice because having an anchored experience or a shared trauma experience Mm -hmm. can help to kind of clue in what a lot of people are doing and why they're doing it motivation is a big a big thing when it comes to character voice and having a solid anchoring motivator for a lot of people to interact with Mm. and like a touchstone moment for them to go back to is a very useful tool yeah yeah, because there's mm-hmm. not every character has this, but a lot of characters will have like one pivotal moment in their mm-hmm. past that made them go, this is where everything changes. And yep. that forms their character just as much as like what their favorite rom-com is or whatever bullshit questionnaire thing. I mean, up. like for like the inciting moment in the plot or something that just that that helps discern like the character uh the latter part in particular like okay like what for example in a D &D campaign what spurred the character to become an adventurer in the first place um that sort Mm -hmm. of element of backstory like not every character has that but the ones who do can trace it back to like one pivotal moment that made them go this is where everything changes i mean yeah i pick pick your pick a fantasy book of choice like yeah. That's usually within the first 10 chapters. Something is that breaking point where something happens mm-hmm. and their life changes one mm-hmm. way or another. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, our requisite Wheel of Time mention Check the here. Box, Chris. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we talk about, um, I don't remember the name of the festival off the top of my head, but there's a festival in the first book where all the shit goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's the inciting moment for pretty much your entire main cast. Gotcha. So, yeah. All right. Well, now that we're coming to what feels like a solid conclusion to this discussion, do we have any last minute thoughts that we want to branch into before we close out? Mm, The thing I want to throw out there is just remember what the core of your campaign is. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like what, your campaign's core is will help you flesh out what NPCs that you want to throw into the world and Mm -hmm. how they can 
further enforce that message. Because, for example, the campaign that I'm currently running has a lot of celestial movements and a lot of, like, celestial-related NPCs. Um, so if I took one of those characters and I put them in, like, a post-apocalyptic cyberpunk, it wouldn't necessarily fit. Not unless I, like, mm -hmm. did some really hardcore jerry-rigging. Or, like, taking one of those, like, celestial NPCs and putting them in our Shades of Chicago campaign probably would not fit. <laughs> um, so keep in mind the campaign that you are running. Um, not just the aesthetics of it, but, like, why you are running that campaign. Like... Mm -hmm. Themes themes the themes that you are playing with will also inform your npcs just as much as npc backstory does mm -hmm. Absolutely. that's my thoughts i agree yeah if anything i'd like to uh just just circle back to what kelsey said previously mm -hmm. uh that i think is important is uh playing towards the players and their comfort level mm -hmm. when it comes to inviting character voice development um in setting the expectations mm -hmm. like you don't want to be yeah. the 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 gm at the table who's like hey, i need you to do this <laughs> talk talk like yeah. this person mm -hmm, it's like mm -hmm. all right <laughs> you got that, that also needs to go into just the, the communication folder of mm -hmm. what's going on and uh, i'm glad I'm, I'm i'm glad it was mentioned yes yeah it's one of those moments where like you start to describe a character and somebody's like oh i'm imagining xyz like they'll rattle off some pop culture character or like some mm -hmm. random feature that you're like yeah there's no reason that that's not correct like let's go with it let's roll mm -hmm. yeah it's yes and mm -hmm. yeah. yeah 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 and a description of character voice can work just as well um for for players uh, i think we've already touched on this but i'll reiterate um somebody describing how their character says something is just as good as somebody actually acting it out so you I'm know gonna, saying okay. mm -hmm. no please go ahead i'm gonna get on a small tangent uh so i've been reading comic books for a long time and uh one thing that makes my skin crawl is reading chris claremont's x-men dialogue because oh. he he feels like he really has to like uh like put the the phonics like how the character sounds in the like the way that it's written mm -hmm. so gambit got derailed down home south like oh. and it's and, and, like i read it and it makes me cringe and like that's the thing is like you can describe that oh he's got this really thick like bayou accent mm -hmm. and not have to like be uncomfortable in that wheelhouse if it's not for you yeah yeah i mean that's where slang comes in right Mm -hmm. Like throwing in a mon chéri or something like that. Like Gambit uses that a lot. Just throw that in every now and again, mm -hmm. and people are gonna get the get the idea. Yeah, you know, character voice is not an exact science. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, absolutely. And with that, we have come to a, a close of the main discussion, and we're gonna invite you, Matt. First of all, thank you for joining us, but. We invite you to plug yourself. Where can we find you on the internet? What projects do you have upcoming? What's already running? And what have you got going on? Sure. Uh, well, this is super fun. Thank you for having me. I, I really, I love talking about any time that we can get down into mm -hmm. like the mechanics of the of, of all of the things that you know we enjoy in our escapism hobby. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So for me, yeah, if, if you want to catch me more, uh, I'm Dungeon Glitch on the online. primarily on Twitter where I'll talk my face off a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, I own Gemmed Firefly. We make uh, nerdy t-shirts and merch. So if you like mugs or anything like that with the D&D memes on it, or really any kind of meme on it because I just make what I want. Mm-hmm. Um, it's <laughs> the best creator uh, I'm also, ethos. I'm sorry? It's the best creator so- ethos. Just make what you want. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's, that's, you know, that was the brand, because it's like, I can't do any wrong, because it's just me. Yeah. So it's like, all right, cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm also on the Etherlog podcast. That is, uh, I can't spell it, I'm dyslexic. It's uh, A-E-T-H-E-R-L-O-G-U-E, yeah. Uh, that's available anywhere that you can stream podcasts. And uh, I play Gale. He is a snake shifter monk. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Love it just a tank and a jerk and it's so fun to play because i get to do like I, I i made his voice like the the joker mixed with like jafar from aladdin Ooh, like, he's actually it. a nice guy so <laughs> are, are we talking about neckbeard and fedora reddit nice guy or are we talking about like he's actually you know heart of gold yeah, you know, he's 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 loyal, heart of gold, but like he's a mercenary, like for real, for real. So it's like, oh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> it's like, yeah, no. So if, it depends on what side of the contract you're on, really. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so. uh, love it. <laughs> uh, just just throwing this out there, y'all should follow Matt on Twitter. His accounts are is like one of the best ones to follow, in my opinion. Like anytime that I see a tweet of yours, Matt, I'm just like, oh, this makes my day so much better. And, and also buy the shirts, because I own two, and they're both quite comfortable and cool. So. I've been meaning to get Thank one. Thank you so much. <laughs> Perfection. More right. praise. And with that... <laughs> and with that thank you all for joining me on this uh, wild ride of a discussion on character voice Uh, to you listeners thank you for listening make sure to go back listen to our back catalog we've got uh, plenty of stuff by the time this episode comes out I believe uh, we only have one more episode of our campaign building um, uh, series coming out so that's really exciting that's something that we started way back like our second or third episode mm-hmm. um, so be sure to catch up with that and follow along for the rest of this season congratulations on that milestone yeah. that's oh, thank, thank you. you thank that's you awesome. very much that's a big deal yeah Go down into the description to find links to all of Matt's social medias and all of our social medias and make sure to give those a follow join us on discord to discuss the episodes And with all of that said and done, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye, guys. Thanks a lot for listening. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Fourth Leg. If you enjoyed this or any other episode of the show, be sure to leave us a five-star review on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you choose to listen. Please reach out to us and let us know what you thought of this episode at The Fourth Leg on Twitter, TheFourthLegPod at gmail.com, or by joining our Discord. Links to all of those options will be in the description below. If you'd like to follow Hunter, Joe, or Kelsey socials, links to those can be found in the description as well. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>